0: Have you ever had the impression that your entire life consisted of standing by, waiting for the giant cue, some cue, and you're vaguely afraid that you don't know your lines, and when you do get your cue, you're gonna muff the whole deal, you know? You gotta learn to go to your right, man. See, the difference, the difference between... Yeah, yeah, come on, come on, Nat. That's enough of that jazz there. It's so loud, you know, that like yelling and hollering, the bugles and stuff. Have, have, you ever had the, have you ever had the feeling, though, Nat, seriously, that... that uh... Of course, the difference between us and them is that we worry about the cues. They all pretend that they've already gotten them. Uh, and not only that, we worry about the lines. They ad lib. Uh, as a matter of fact, I, I suspect that, you know, I, I can remember my mother. Now, I, I hate to bring mother into this thing. And and uh, for one brief moment here, since this is America, let's face it, there is no more loaded, freighted word than mother. And I will give you one brief ten-second period there where you can bow your head and can, uh, for just one moment there, concern yourself with private hate. Uh, just think of mother there for a while. Your mother, even the mothers, think of mother, and uh, let it boil up and hiss. Of course, this is this is a you can always get a crowd of Americans nervous by just standing up in front of them and saying, "Think of mother," because ninety-eight percent of them have felt they should have called. You know, they should have made a call. They should have gone home for Thanksgiving. They should have done all these things. And of course, in 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 the end, your life consists of a gigantic pyramid of of uh, of missed things, things that you flubbed out on. Things that you've loused up on. Things that you... The dream that never quite panned out. You know, speaking of the dream. Killing time. Uh, (laughs) By the way, isn't that a great word? Great freighted phrase. Killing time. Who is being killed when you kill time? Is there such a thing as killing time? Uh, Can you waste time? Uh, How how does time... Is time like a river and you can waste some of the water in it? Is it? Can you really waste time? Oh, yeah, we come out of a Puritan tradition that feels that if you are not strapped to the grindstone, I don't mean just with your nose to the grind, I mean literally strapped, clamped down to the grindstone, somehow you are a wastrel and an idler, and you are wasting time. And yet, uh, I wonder whether a guy who has spent 35 years of his life filing off the little rough places on the back ends of rubber heels, 35 years he's devoted man and boy to this task, does he feel he's wasted time or not? Does he feel that his moment on Earth was spent beautifully? And that there were many a smooth heel that walked out over the great landscape of the America tundra because of Charlie was here. He has smooth... Speaking of wasting time, bring it on, Nat. Come on, don't give him a moment to rest there. Come on. All together, gang now. Get those knees loose. Martin, right, let's go. She's got eyes of blue. I never cared for eyes of blue, but she's got eyes of blue, and that's my weakness now. Ba, 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 ba. She's got dimple cheeks. I never cared for dimple cheeks, but she's got yellow cheeks, and that's my weakness now. Oh, my, me, oh, me, oh, my. Oh, my. No, that's enough, that's enough. I just do, Kind of bring it back into perspective, you know. uh, The the, the idling and the... Speaking of bring it back into perspective now. Now, hold it there. Hold it there. There is nothing that brings us back into clearer, cleaner perspective in this world than a good blast of commerciality. Believe me, I have learned long ago, when you are living in the land of Caesar, you render by George unto Caesar what is Caesar's. You pay the piper. And so now, get ready to pay the piper for 120 seconds. Caesar is just around the corner. Here he comes with the message by George. WBAI, New York. Could you tell who switched over to a better-sounding copy? Uh, it's a terrible, terrible thing, that. Uh, rendering and the Caesar, you know. Uh, oh, uh, listen. Uh, one thing uh, that has to be said about idling, wasting time. Now, uh... This is is something, I, I suspect, that, that very few of us ever really think about. I know that it, it bothers me when I do think about it. Have you ever thought about how much of your life is spent in pure, unadulterated scut? Just scut. You know, like, like putting tapes together that are broken. <laughs> and just walking around scratching, uh, cleaning up stuff. Uh, getting your laundry, you know, just scut, you know, all the jazz, this is what life is co- consists of, you know, uh, the shade falls down, you spend the, you know, 20 minutes putting the shade back up, uh, your shoelace breaks, all the scut, going to the bank, missing the, missing the time, you know, it's three o'clock, you just miss the bank by two and a half minutes. Now, I'm talking about scut, the general mechanics of existence. Now, when you are concerned with the general mechanics of existence, like washing the dishes, uh... Uh, getting mad, just walking around, getting rained on, uh, all all the trivial stuff. Is this living, or do you think of it when you're doing it? Do you think of it as a as a dis- distraction, or a, or somehow a detracting part of life itself, that it doesn't count as life? Well, I, I I'm not so sure. You know, it's very hard to uh, hard to know when this line is drawn. Is it distracting, or is it not? Uh, in fact, I believe that most of our concept of progress. Uh, pro- hey, fellas, wait, 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 wait. Let's, let's, uh, let's, let's stick with the show here and then we'll worry about the files afterwards. Okay, man. Uh, I'm, I'm so concerned, though, about, about progress uh, as, as a concept of doing away with scut. I suspect that most people believe that progress consists of doing away with broken shoelaces, doing away with cleaning the floor, doing away with washing the dishes uh... doing away with walking around have you noticed that even on golf courses you know what you know remember what golf used to be a guy would go out and it would say golf course six thousand yards uh... eighteen holes a guy would go out and the day spent on the golf course consisted of hitting a ball walking after it uh... lining up your shot hitting another ball but now they've done away with what is considered scut in the game walking now they have golf carts you see Uh, Eventually, I I presume, I I suspect there will be a machine now that will drive for you eventually. You'll be able to get off that 290-yard drive because that's a lot of problems, really. You know, messing around with the ball and swinging the club and all that, and it goes in the weeds and all that jazz, that eventually it will drive. Now, you think I'm laughing. Have you noticed that down in Houston, for example, they are building a stadium down there, which is an indoor baseball park. Now, what does this mean? To most people, this seems to be progress. But as a matter of fact, what it really is doing is eliminating baseball. Part of Yeah, in, in the elimination of, of rain and weather, you're eliminating baseball. Now, now, any good ball player will tell you one of the most important facets of baseball is a, a, an outfielder drifting back under a fly ball that's being carried by the wind. This is a skill. This is part of the game. You know, it's difficult to catch a fly ball in a high wind that's, that's drifting it back towards the stands or bringing it back in from the stands. And and this is part of the game. The pitcher, for example, uses wind in pitching. Are you aware of that? That a hard cross wind is very valuable to a certain kind of curveball pitcher. If the wind is from the other side, that guy can't pitch today. He does not pitch. He cannot pitch because of that wind. Uh, a hot day... Makes a ball travel differently. Did you know that? Than a cold day. Oh yeah, a baseball. The other night I heard I heard two ball players talking about this, and one ball player was saying, "Boy, they were sure hitting the ball last night." He says, "Boy, I never saw so many long drives." And the opulist as "Well, he says it was it was a hot uh, it was a hot night. The humidity was low." He says the ball was live, meaning, of course, that the weather makes that ball go further. Well, now, down in, in, uh, in Houston, they have put a big glass bubble over the ballpark. <laughs> they have air-conditioned it and, therefore, have removed from baseball the game's actual lifeblood. Actually, they've taken the blood out of the game now, and any ball game that you're going to see in the indoor park at Houston is going to be, and, and people are going to wonder why it's boring and dull. You know, they're going to wonder why, why, why is it, why is it dull? Watch, in a couple of years, they're going to say, gee, you know, it's funny uh, going to the Houston ballpark; it's a very boring. But then, of course, what will happen, and I suppose this is a kind of progress, is the package itself will become exciting. Uh, going to look at this indoor stadium and the lights playing on the big plastic dome, the sound bouncing off of it, and the, there will be no doubt 4,000 colors in the place, and the seats are going to be jazzy. That that will become much more important than the baseball game itself. It's like, it's like breakfast cereals today. You know, they spend a, a devil of a lot more on packaging breakfast cereals than they ever do on what's inside. That, that the average, oh, absolutely, the average breakfast food manufacturer will tell you that his chief uh, expense is design, packaging, uh, producing a beautiful picture, a beautiful thing on the shelf there. Now it's the same old, (laughs) it's the same old hay and corn that the guys were eating in 1897. It is. It's the same old dry, crunchy stuff. You know that, that. There it is. But it doesn't matter. It comes in a beautiful, clean, fantastic package. And have you ever noticed that every commercial about a breakfast food calls it the all new Whoopies, the all brand new Whoopies with Super Wowie. Well, they come on. Have you, uh, you, you know, you, you, to believe them, they must turn out a new kind of cereal every couple of days. You know, it's a new cereal. They, they're never, they never stop on Wheaties. They have been changing Wheaties. <laughs> well, actually, this is the truth. What they mean is the new Wheaties package. They literally mean that. And, and of course, the, the package is, is indissoluble now from the product. So uh, when when the guy he really does a, a man working in the Wheaties plant or whatever plant this I'm just using that as a as an example but a guy working in the Whoopi plant will will definitely tell you when they change the package it is a new cereal he really will he'll look you right in the eye and say yes it's new. Uh, automobile manufacturers are doing this they always have done this. You, are you aware that one of the one of the major automobiles made in this country probably the major car made in this country had the same engine from 1932. Through 1958, that the parts are interchangeable. That's right, absolutely interchangeable. Uh, the same engine without even so much as changing a valve spring. <laughs> and not only that, almost all the other running gear in that automobile was interchangeable with the, with the uh, 1932 model. So if you have a 1956 model of that car, you can change a lot of the wiring, a lot of the uh, clutch, uh, equipment, a lot of the, uh, the the generator equipment is all interchangeable, and yet every year they produce a new model. Every year it's the all new Wowie Super Six, the all new, uh, and, and they have not changed a bit. Oh, it's, it's, it's the package that changed. Now, what is the package of an automobile? The body. That's just the package just a package. You change the shape a little bit in the front. You, you, you color a little bit and you put put a wider thing on the front. The grill is a little wider or you change the lights a little bit. That's the all-new machine. And, and of course, the illusion on the part of every guy who buys one is that he really has an all-new car. He's always a little thrown when the 1932 Chevy, for example, <laughs> will, will, will move out from the light just the same speed as he will. It, it goes the same. He comes to wonder what is this? What's going on? Well, of course, this is part of the myth of newness, uh, of newness, And, and there's no country in the world that believes in newness more than America. We parallel newness with progress. Literally, that's called a good thing. And and I've seen, say, here in New York City, where they've torn down blocks of beautiful buildings, replaced them with terrible, uncomfortable, uh, sweaty, smelly, uh, leaky buildings, and yet there isn't one person on the street who doesn't somehow, even if he hates the new buildings, somehow feel that that's progress. He somehow says, "Well, that's progress. You can't fight. You can't fight progress. That's just the way it is." And he he really believes he believes it's progress, and secretly wants to move into one of those buildings in spite of the fact that he puts them down. Because, you, 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 I don't know, you parallel glass with all that. Now, now the, the scunt and the, and the trivia of living is all very closely tied in with this. There's a very strong attitude throughout the world that if you are not involved in whatever happens to be the trivia of the moment, you're wasting time. You're literally, and you're, you're also a kind of criminal in society. Now, a lot of people would say that, well, that's only America. You know, it's only true in America. Listen to this one. I, I read your special broadcast from Bangkok, Thailand. If you think it's rotten out there in Hesville, Indiana, listen to this one. Bangkok, Thailand, special newscast from Thailand Radio. The government has ordered crackdown on idlers who waste time in coffee bars. It was reported today, reliably, crackdown now, official. All idlers get away from coffee shops immediately. Government falls after you. Special broadcast from Thailand Radio. We now return to a special program of American rock and roll, decadent, rotten, communist pink music. Bring it up, very loud yeah. Very good, very good. That's enough there. Yeah. <laughs> now that's an official broadcast from Thailand Radio. They're doing away with coffee bar idlers. Uh, speaking of idlers, here we have the uh, commercial people around, hanging around by the coffee bar there, waiting to the leap in and make a couple of bucks. And so we will give them 120 seconds of their due. Stand by, friends. Hang on to the handlebars and hope for the best. Keep your knees loose. We'll be back in two minutes. The longest two minutes in radio. <laughs> well, they'll be short, and the fundraising won't start here at WBAI in New York until, uh, oh, about an hour or two from now. But do give, and give till it hurts. This is WBAI New York. Listen, you, you, remember, you remember the other day... We got on the fear of the it. Now, I, I, I'm going to, uh, this, this may be a very unpopular thesis that I'm about to promulgate here. But I suspect, Nat, that, that, that our great hang up with work. Now, I'm doing, I'm talking about doing things which are really essentially ridiculous when you stop to think about it. Can you imagine a person who spends his entire life polishing the doorknob on a big building? <laughs> And and really, he really feels that he's doing something very useful by doing this. Now, in the context of our world, I suppose it is useful that that's true. But can can you imagine when all of this started, when the concept of work started, when there were two guys scrunching down in a cave? They didn't know about work in those days. There was no such word as work. Do you know that the term work is a comparatively recent term in the language? You aware of that? It is a comparatively recent term. Uh, A man going out and killing a bear, is he working? A man bringing in an elk uh, to to live by. But they didn't call it working in those days. It was not called working. It was part of the necessity of existence. Now, Now, work is something else again. Is a man polishing the brass doorknob on the front of a marble building working? In the sense that a man going out and killing an elk... To bring back the uh, the spare ribs for the tribe was working. Is are they both doing the same thing? Now be very careful before you answer that. You see, because because it sounds like yes. You see it well. He gets paid for this. You say well. He gets paid. So then he buys the spare ribs. Not quite. You see, it's it's become quite complex there at that point because. Is that doorknob polishing? Is it really necessary? And is it really uh, is it really part of the fabric of existence itself, or is it something that we have imposed on the fabric of existence? I suspect that that uh, that this that this this problem, which gets gets quite involved here at this point, uh, is 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 based on our fear of the thing that we talked about the other day, the it. We've got to give everybody something. To get involved in so that he doesn't think about the thing that's behind the privet hedge. Oh, really? A man out of work, a man who is not polishing the doorknob, a man who is not involved in something like that, is a man who is scared and worried. That's the the biggest thing that happens with most guys that retire, you know. They begin to worry about things which they have been able to, through their entire life, ignore. You know, the only people who worry about death are kids. Really, a kid, a 15-year-old kid is really worried about that. He figures he's never going to reach 21. Hardly any kid, oh, yeah, if he does, he's going to be blind. <laughs> this is a, he's never going, and then he begins to worry about, his parents are going to die. Every 15-year-old kid, oh, boy, never going to, wow. Well, by the time the kid is 25, he doesn't think about this anymore. Everybody's involved in sharpening pencils and sweeping things and moving stuff and hollering into the phone and calling up and ringing bells and, and cleaning the doorknob and, and, and walking around and seeing that everything is straight, looking up and straightening things up and moving stuff back and moving around. That's called work, you know. That's all called work. And, and the minute you back a guy away from that trough, it ain't the money that he's worried about. All of a sudden, he looks around. Wow. He looks down and he sees his, his fingers are beginning to, you know, they get a little thing. Ooh, wow. He looks up at the sky and, and he sees big dark thunderclouds going. He never noticed the thunderclouds before. And, ooh, he looks around. He he just wants, he just wants just one minute. He wants that phone to ring. He just wants that phone to ring and say, Hey, Charlie, will you get that? Get in gear, will you? Get the lead out. Get moving. He wants that to happen so that he can rush back and start moving stuff and he can start shoving and he can start worrying about Mr. Bullard instead of the great dark cloud that's floating around up there in the air. And he sits on the front porch. He's rocking back and forth. You remember, he read the ad that says, Retire at 55. You know those great ads where they show everybody with the china teeth? You know, and they have the white hair. You know those ads that show the people standing next to the convertible? Just why, when I was 40, I never realized that I could retire at 55 to a life of fantastic happiness down here in Florida and do nothing but fish for for blue tails all day long. Oh, yeah. And here he is now. He's caught all the blue tails he wants in the first two weeks, you know. And he's tired of driving around in his convertible. And all the while the wind blows, the trees sway, and the lake curls out there in front of that pleasant little retirement cottage that he thought was gonna be his little home away from home. His little nest for all eternity. His store teeth are clanking in his head, and he looks out there and the wind blows. He wants, he just wants one instant, one instant. He wants some guy to holler, Hurry up, get over here, we need ya! Hurry up Fred, we need ya! bottom apart for crying for Cranilla! Here, grab the end of the screen, quick! We gotta make this package, gotta get to Cleveland by, by 5 o'clock! Hurry up, Fred! What the phone does it ring. Fred is thinking about more serious things now than all of his life he never had to think about. Oh, oh. Get to that door now, man, quick! Hey lady, get out there and start washing them dishes! Boy, if they if they took that away from you, what would you have left? What would you have? Hey, old man, get out of that car and start greasing it for crying out loud. What would you have left if they stopped that? Oh, help! Wow. <laughs> ever had to stop that one boy he was getting scared because if they ever backed him away from his radio show what would he have left (laughs) so to prevent that terrible exigency happening let us give the commercial people their due for the next 120 seconds let's waste time by listening to the natures the beauties and the glories of getting out and spending that cash right friend the next two minutes belong to caesar did i mention that this is syndicated program number three from late 1965 gene shepherd i don't know where it was syndicated but it must have gone out somewhere. This is. Hey, listen. Did this guy tell you what station this is? Huh? All right. Come on. Unload. Tell him what station it is. This is a great, fantastic station. You ought know to hear. They've got the. They have got the latest Sears Roebuck microphones here. They. <laughs> the double button carbon kind. You know that hiss. That's why I sound so funny. If if all of you think that I'm talking through my nose, well, I actually am because the only way this mic works is that way. So tell him what station it is, and we'll be back in eighteen and a half. No, we'll be back in the. Uh, Five milliseconds. All right, man, go, man. Uh, this is WBAI New York, ninety-nine point five FM, non-commercial, listener-sponsored radio. Right, very good, very good. That's enough for those guys. Now uh, let's get back here. You know, speaking of, of this fear of the of the unknown, uh, it, it really it really it does. It, it leads us into in the great wild uh, elliptical uh, existences. And you know, the thing that I I suspect and I, I have nothing to base this on except of a few little life observations why do we always suspect why do we always feel kind of funny about a person who is not involved in doing something now I'm serious about this, this is a good question to ask why, now, now if you're walking down the street and you see a guy let's say he's, he's uh, picking nits off the back of frogs we'll say, and he's, he's down on his knees doing this Somehow you don't say what are you wasting? You're a nut. What are you doing there? You're, you're, what are you fool? You you're idler? You know, idiot? No, he's concerned with something. But you continue to walk a little bit, and there you see a guy sprawled out on the top of the coke machine. He's looking up at the clouds and the birds. He is observing the glories of the of the universe that he is a, an infinitesimally small part of. He's observing that. The the, uh, the magnetic lines of force are moving through his body. By the way, do you know that the magnetic, the magnetic lines of force are right now moving through your body, friend? Ever occurred to you? No, no. Seriously, now, and no, I'm going to have to I'm going to have to get very technical here for you in just a moment. I don't don't. No, this is not a, this is not uh, this is not a diversion from the main theme here. That now, if you take the globe, if you look at the earth, now we're going to get very basic physics here. If you look at the earth, it's it's not really round. You know, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a bad football. It is not round. The earth is not round, contrary to popular opinion. It's kind of elongated. It's, it's li- like a cantaloupe. You know how a cantaloupe That's really the way the Earth is actually shaped, you see. Now, at the North Pole, magnetic pole, and the South magnetic pole, <laughs> you, have, you have literally a magnetic situation going there. If you can imagine the Earth as a giant magnet, that's really what it is. Now, what is a magnet? Well, uh, we could go into magnetic lines, of course. I could go into Kirchhoff's law here. I can go into the hysteresis theories. By the way, hysteresis is a thing that most of us have. As, as opposed to hysteria. Now, I'm going to give you a theory. Any of you doctors out there interested in the theory here that, that hysteria is something when you go oh, ah, ah, That's hysteria. Hysteresis is something else. Hysteresis is that vague sense of, of nervousness that the hounds of hell are nipping at your hocks all the time. Now, that's hysteresis. Now, now what, is, what is hysteresis? Oh, boy, I don't know whether I should get deeply involved in this or not, but let's put it on this basis, that those lines of force, if you can imagine... Now, 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 give me a moment here. Now, don't get nervous out there. I know it's, when, you get to, when you get close to the truth, everybody gets nervous and wants to go out and get a drink of water and fool around and start pushing things around again. But now, from the North Pole to the South Pole, if you can imagine that globe in your mind, there are lines that go right through the air. Yes, they do. They go right through the atmosphere and connect the North Pole and the South Pole. Now, those lines cover the entire Earth. Now, they are, they are uh, thicker in some places than they are in others. But they are constant, all the way from the North Pole down to the South. Those are called magnetic lines of force. Now, Magnet, now you're listening to me on a radio, I presume, unless you're psychic. Uh, (laughs) And George, now see, you get into that problem again already, it's the unknown. But uh, you're listening to me, I presume, on some cheapy little radio out there. Now, how do you think you're listening to me? Seriously. Do you think it's magic? Do you think I just holler here at the radio station and this thing has, a, has big ears in the back or something that picks it up? Or do you think I'm in there somehow? I'm a little thing in there. How do you think it works? Most guys are totally at a loss as to how this little crummy thing works with all this noise and the commercials and all that coming out. But it's a, it really is a fantastic miracle. It literally is. And it involves, among other things, magnetic lines of force. Now, what happens when you walk through a magnetic line of force? Ah-ha-ha! All right, now we're coming into something if you take a conductor now a conductor is anything that conducts electricity and if you think you don't you stick your finger into the plug down there for thirty seconds you'll find you conducted pretty good dad your eyeballs will pop and your ears will sweat and your teeth start itching and you know you're getting the shock that means you're conducting electricity you are a conductor as opposed to an insulator which does not conduct electricity Now, when a conductor moves through a line of force at right angles a tiny voltage is generated in that conductor. Right, Nat? Exactly. All right, now, that's how generators work. I'm telling you how a generator... How do you think a generator works? You you, you revolve that generator, but here's what you're really doing in a generator. You revolve a coil of wire rapidly through lines of force that are created either by an electromagnet or by a permanent magnet, and by, George, that little coil of wire begins to have a voltage in it. It, li- it literally generates a voltage in there. That's called generating. Now, are you learning something there, friends? See, radio is not a total loss. Now, 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 you're, you're following me here, so you see, Now, what, what you're learning, of course, is totally useless to you, but it, it will scare the daylights out of you want when we get to the end of it. Now, all right, now, you, you, you're following me there now. Now, the, these lines of force exist around the Earth, just like a great big magnet that you might have in your generator you might have in the, in the voice coil, the field coil of the radio set, the speaker that you're listening to here. It's all there. Now, move a conductor through those lines of force and you generate a voltage. Friend, do you realize that every day of your life you are moving through lines of force and there are tiny voltages being generated in you? Literally. You put, that's right. You are walking around... And, and 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 these little yeah, these little voltages are, are being generated in you, and the faster you run, the faster the voltage goes. Right? Now we are moving much faster than we ever moved before in this world. Uh, that when a guy, you know, when it when it took a, a guy fourteen days to move from one cave to the next, struggling through the jungle, he did not generate much voltage. Now, now you, you understand that the faster you grind a generator, the more voltage is is created, right, Nat? The faster you grind have you ever, have you ever, as a, have you ever uh, had a wind-up telephone, you, you grind this thing, you grind, well, the faster you grind it, the more voltage is generated, and the louder the bell rings. Uh, this exactly happens with mankind, that the faster we travel, the more voltage we create. Now, if you are running, if you run down the street, you're creating X voltage. If you get in your car, and uh, let's say you go five miles an hour, you go... Uh, you, you generate one volt, let's say, five miles an hour. You're running down the street. Now, if you go down the street at 30 miles an hour, you are generating, what is it? You're generating six times one or six volts. Or is it an equal? No, I don't think that. I think, I think uh, it goes up logarithmically, doesn't it? It's, it's direct. Yeah, that's right. It's a direct ratio. Yeah, one to one there. So, all right. Now, what, what happens when you're going 100 miles an hour? What happens when you're going 600 miles an hour? You've got a plane load of nervous people. I'm telling you, with, with stuff shooting out of their eyes, sparks, they are generating anywhere from 400 to 550 volts. You put, an, you put a voltmeter on the top of their head and stick one on their foot, and that thing is going to be swinging all the time. No wonder they're drinking like my Come on, bring that up quick. <laughs> no! <laughs> now, I will add to that confusion, since uh, this is just natural stuff. What do you think this radio station is transmitting out towards you? Huh? I'll tell you, that ain't crackerjack. Jack. Uh, this radio station is generating all kinds of stuff. That flo- Do you know that, that in the early days of radio, there, there, everybody blamed everything that happened on radio? In other words, it's, in 1923 or something, it's a historical fact. When KDKA went on the air, or the early radio stations, of course, this was like magic to everybody. It was fantastic. They could hear They could hear stuff right out of the air. And then they began to worry about what was in the air. They said, well, what are these guys sending? And, and, and people were beginning to say that all these words that were in the air were beginning to be uh, were rotting their brain. Well, of course, little did they realize that they were actually uh, speaking the truth. Uh, but in those days, they <laughs> oh, speaking of brain rotters, let's give them a couple of commercials here. Uh, we'll be back in 120 seconds after this fun moment here. Now, wait a minute. Don't, don't get alarmed. I, mean, every, I can imagine 18 million people are turning off their radio now and putting it in, 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 putting it in the bathtub and running water on it to keep the evil spirits out. <laughs> oh, no, no. You're going to have to kill a lot more than just that poor little transistor radio because you see there's other stuff working. Now, now what about your your, your your television set? Are you aware that your television set is not only a receiver? It is also a very, very effective transmitter. How many people know that their TV set transmits like mad? And if you have a proper receiver, you can you can literally pick up the signal from your TV set. That means you're walking around in the living room every day when you're watching Ed Sullivan or the Arlene Francis show. That little TV set is transmitting stuff. And you're sitting there right in the way of it. And it's, it's working on your liver and your brain. It's making your... You know, have you noticed how your knees have been hurting lately ever since television came in? Oh, I don't like to make any accusations here, but if the spits by George Television Industry handle that one. Been a lot of people getting bad teeth, too, ever since the Ed Sullivan show came on. Now, I am not making any accusations. I am just laying it out there as a theory. As a scientist, I am saying to you there's a lot of stuff floating around the air that nobody's talking about. That's all. (laughs) I don't like to lay any accusations out there, but you know, I I suspect that one day, uh, believe me, uh, now, now, let's carry it even further than that now. Now, in 1922 and 1923, when the first radio stations came on the air, this was literally pure magic to the people of the time. Now, the, the, the fascinating aspect to magic is that what really, what is magic? Magic is, is you, can, you can give it a lot of definitions, but one thing that magic is, it's something that's unexplainable. It is not explainable. It's a phenomena that occurs without any logical explanation. Well, that makes magic. Uh, that that really is magic then, because most people cannot logically explain how radio works. So it still remains magic to the large percentage of the population. Now uh, there it is. It was magic. Now uh, what what else does magic have to do? Well, it has properties of of either growth or destruction. Magic is never a thing that works in a in a vacuum. And so when you, when you find that in, the, in the certain tribes in the uncivilized areas, when they refer to magic, they will say magic cures. They will also say magic kills. They're both parallel. They never just say magic is fun. <laughs> That's not enough. Not real magic, you see. And so back in 1922 and 23, when the first radio stations began to go on the air, all the peasants all throughout uh, the entire width and breadth of this country began to worry about what was in the air. They said, "What's, what's that? And they began to blame everything. All natural phenomena suddenly was explained by that. Are you aware that there were large bodies of people who said that the drought, there was a big drought of 1923, it was caused by radio stations. Yeah. The dr- I'm telling you a historical fact I'm not inventing this that, they, that that there were there were lobbies in Congress that said do away with this you're messing around with the air do away with this the drought was caused by of course they'd had droughts all the way back they talked about droughts in in the, in, in the Bible you see but now suddenly we knew what it was caused by was because those rotten guys with the commercials they're doing it they're the devil and 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 also a large number of people began to feel that their heart trouble was now cured because of radio are you aware of that? that large numbers of people said for the first time they felt good, that radio had cured their arthritis, that listening to Ma Perkins somehow fixed their liver. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And and, and elderly ladies would believe this, and they would sit in front of their radio by the hour with the radio turned on, firmly believing that their their condition, which was uh, always my condition, uh, their condition was being helped by radio. Others incidentally were equally afraid they, they were totally they would not allow a radio for miles around in their house they would just uh, scream like mad it was gonna, it was going to it was going to kill them a heart attack all of the rest of this stuff well how well this continued for up until about the mid 1930s and began to slowly drizzle off uh, people began to slowly accept radio as as being part of the natural order of things now of course we've got a new one uh, of course, I can even go earlier than that. You know that in the 18, late 1800s, when, when uh, electricity itself was discovered as as, a, as an actual natural phenomenon, people began to blame all the natural things, the rain, the, the the avalanches. It was all blamed on electricity. Now we're doing it with the atom bomb. Large numbers of people believe that the rain is caused by atom of The weather, bad weather, that's atom bombs. Bad weather, atom bombs, they did that. Bad weather, drought. Uh, says, you know, have you noticed have you noticed that the winters are getting different now, they say, ever since they had the atom bombs? Ever since now you can't tell me that there's no connection there. They'll cover it up, of course. They'll cover it up. There's a guy sitting up there, he's afraid of magic. It's magic. It's doing it again. Ah! It's in the air. They're doing it. They're. And that is also very closely connected with the they. It's always they're doing it with the atom bombs. They're doing it with the radio. They're doing it with the television sets. (laughs) Uh, Would you like to actually hear they? Well, they're standing right next to me, and they would like to have a word with you right now. Of course, they're in charge of all those things. So here they are to give you a quick little 120-second pitch, and it's so much fun. Here they are. They. Fine, fine. That's how many? Hey, hey, hey. Fine, good. One more. Good, good. I'm just warning you. Now, Now, I have before, because it's, 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 absolutely, it's absolutely a universal thing. Let's face it. It is universal that, uh, that no matter where you go, you will find a variation of this fear. Now, I suspect that when we walk around and we see a man who is not occupied in a recognizable involvement, that we suspect that perhaps, well, somehow it's a rebuke to us, that I, I think an idler is a rebuke to the non-idler. It says it says to you in a sense, here is a man who can get by without polishing doorknobs. He can get by without worrying about the things that bug all of us. I have a, I've had a feeling for a long time that the most successful men, I mean, even in ve- uh, the most dynamic men, are the most haunted men. They are the guys, that are the, they're usually the type who are the most afraid to stop for one minute because they might think of things which they have been ignoring all of their lives. Have you noticed that, that the bigger a man gets, the more he creates villains? A dictator, for example. Who's bigger than a dictator? Who is bigger than, say, Castro in Cuba? Who is bigger than, say, Hitler was in Germany? Have you noticed that every one of Hitler's speeches was full of fear? What they're doing to us. What they're doing. What the Poles are doing. What the chicks, hey, pull on He's yelling, you see. He is far more, and everybody else, you know, they're all fooling around, making salami sandwiches, you know, uh, the, 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 the lower the level the man is, the less he literally is afraid of the thing, of the great it, the great they, the great it, that the, the terrible lurking thing out there in the darkness. Uh, oh, yeah, I've, I've talked to top executives. The, the higher an executive gets, the more he figures that his, his uh, rivals are out to do him in. He fears unions. He fears, oh, all kinds of wild things. I, I talked to a guy, a friend of mine, as a matter of fact, who became a top executive in one of the biggest organizations in the communications fields in America. And as he got higher up the scale, he became more and more afraid of things, which he had even been part of in his youth. Until finally, this Lout got to be the top man, and he would he would go ape when you mentioned union to him. <laughs> and he had been a union member for 10 years. And, and somehow, as he got higher and higher, the fears got greater and greater. The fear of the it, the they, it got, it got so much, it just totally enveloped him. Now, I have a suspicion that when we walk down the street and we see a guy who is not doing anything, somehow we are reminded of our own fears. We say, what, what, why, how come he isn't afraid of it? What is it? Now, this is subconscious, and we've got to get him on the stick. If we can get everybody to be afraid, somehow, then that lessens the fear. <laughs> somehow, it really does. Nothing can cause a fistfight more in a mob than if there's a mob of people screaming, "Burn down the city hall!" And, and and right in the middle of it all is one guy who's just quietly smiling. They are going to kill that guy quicker than they're going to burn down City Hall. They've got to kill him. Because somehow he's saying, what are you afraid of? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Kill him! kill him! Kill him! Kill him! Kill him! Kill
1: him! Oh, yeah. So if
0: you're... If you're going to learn to get along in this world, you got to, you got to keep a straight face. Don't smile. Have you ever noticed how quick you can get everybody feeling very uncomfortable on the bus? Just quietly smile. Just sit there and smile. Speak. Hold it. Hold it there. Hold it. No, no, no. Don't bring that on. Before we, before we give them the. Hold it. Hold it. Cut that bugle there. Cut it. Cut it. Cut it, now. Cut it. We're going to give them a commercial there. Quick. Before we leave, give them 120 seconds.